Welcome to Folk You Radio, where we ask our neighbors, what do you know? Folk University is an experiment in neighborliness, in slow learning, in using our interests, skills, and beliefs in a way, as a way of connecting and bringing each other closer in community. Today, we are talking about BC assessments. Did your mouth drop when you got your assessment this year? On Cortez, the average home price went up in assessed value by more than 40%. But what does that mean? And how does it relate to taxes paid and money available within our community? We are going to have Bill Dawson from BC Assessment join us today to discuss this subject. And then Roy Hales has a piece that he's produced for Cortez Currents that goes a little bit more in depth with Nova Anderson and other people from the regional district about our tax dollars and where they go in our community. So stay tuned. Where are you listening from today, neighbor? Who are the people that have walked and cared for the land, the water, and the air where you live, work, and play? Cortez Community Radio sits on the ancestral and territorial lands of the Kalahus, Kalaaman, and Homako peoples. I'd like to thank this land, the people who have walked this land through time, and all those that continue to love and work to honor this place we call home. Bill Dawson, welcome. Thank you, Amanda. Can you hear me? I can. Yay. <laughs> I always like to you take never a... never know with uh, technology these days, do you? That, that is how I feel. I feel like I never know, and every time it works, yeah. I do a little happy dance in the studio, so so I'm happy yeah, sometimes dancing. Sometimes I have to call my 16-year-old son to come help me with the uh, settings, but it looks like we're okay today. Um, I I am glad you have a 16-year-old on, on the payroll. <laughs> So what I have um, about your background is that you currently serve in the role of Manager of Indigenous Relations for BC Assessment, that you have extensive experience with property assessment, and that you have held a variety of appraisal and leadership roles with BC Assessment since 1991. You are a resident of Nanaimo, so another islander, and you um, have... Uh, also have been um, have your prop, uh, your family has been living um, on and around and visiting Hornby Island for more than 50 years. So you have both the big island and the small island experience. That's correct. And, and I love how uh, how you phrase that the big islands and the small islands. I, I, uh, I joke around with my colleagues throughout the province, especially those in the lower mainland who say, when they want to relax, they come to Vancouver Island or the Big Island. Meanwhile, for those of us who live and work on Vancouver Island, we seek out the smaller islands, don't we? <laughs> you, you, you really aren't away until you've gone one ferry too far. Oh, totally. And go to Hornby, it's too. So, hey. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's Cortez for you. So what? let's start at the very beginning, which is... What does it even mean to be an appraiser? What what is that? Well, the function of a of an appraiser, whether you're working for the uh, 
working for the government like I do or a crown corporation or a private fee appraiser is, is your task is to look at and explore the valuations of a certain property. And uh, for an appraiser, typically what they'll do is they'll take a look at the sales that have occurred um, in the past to determine your market value. And then can you tell us a little bit about um, what like what this process and property assessment means? Certainly. So a property assessment is, is, uh, is an assessment that comes out or it's an assessment notice that comes out every year. It usually lands on everyone's doorstep on January 2nd. And it's, uh, it's the culmination of a year's work by BC assessment staff. Um, what it is, it's, a, it's the measurement of the actual value of the property as of the previous July 1st. So the 2022 assessment notice that just came out, it's a reflection of your actual value of July 1st, 2021. Other couple of important parts of the assessment or assessment notice is that it's a reflective of the physical condition of your property the previous October 31st. So if you have a partially completed building as of October 31st, that's what you're going to get assessed for. When, uh, when we take a look at who to send the assessment notice to or what properties to assess, we take a look at the records of the Land Titles and Survey Authority as of the previous November 30th. Another part of the value of, of besides just valuation and condition and class and ownership is also a property's assessment is categorized into one of the nine property classifications that's outlined by the Assessment Act, residential, commercial, light industrial, recreational. Um, they all go into, into separate categories. And then the last part, of course, is if, if, if there are any exemptions that should be applied to your property due to uh, interpretation of legislation or the passing of a permissive exemption by a regional district or municipal council, that's all reflected on your assessment uh, as well. All the individual assessments, they make up the assessment role for a certain province or municipality, regional district or, or indigenous communities, and those those taxing jurisdictions use that assessment in the, and, and the total amount of them to determine what your proportional share of the property tax burden is for the upcoming year. For 2022, we mailed out 2.1 million assessments with a combined value of $2.4 trillion. And uh, it's, it, it's a big deal. Last year, for instance, it helped raise $8.3 billion property taxes for the province of British Columbia and all the municipalities to provide services to the communities that we live in. Okay, so I want to break down this idea of, um, that was a very nice explanation. Um, uh, I feel like it was um, uh, very clear, but so I, but I still want to break down this idea um, of what the assessment exactly is based on, because it seems like it's trying to get, and as you explained it, to nuance out um, these you know, at least two different concepts, one of which is relative value, I guess, community value, um, what it means to have any property, for instance, in any one place right now. So and then the other thing it seems like it's trying to get at is maybe real time, real realized value. So the state of the house that's on it or the building or the um, um you know, light industrial facility, et cetera. Um, yeah. 
Is that is that right? Well, the, the yes, it, it, it's uh, in, in British Columbia, uh, based on the Assessment Act. The assessment, the determination of actual value is the market value of the fee simple interest. So we take a look at, or our appraisers take a look at, all the different characteristics that you, as a potential vendor or purchaser, would likely view and be important to you in determining what your potential selling price or what your potential purchase price is. The assessment split between land and improvements. The land value is, uh, you know, it's the old adage, location, location, location. Um, it can have a big part to play in how much a property is worth. The physical characteristics of a property's size or topography, whether it has a view, access, the services that are provided to it, they all play a part. And, and another part of, that plays a part in, in land valuation, of course, is the municipal or regional district zoning that applies to each individual property. Are you allowed to only build a cabin? Are you allowed to build a house? Are you allowed to build more than one house or a multifamily property or a hotel or a resort or industrial property? Those are all considered when you come up with that land valuation um, that's set on the individual properties. When you're looking at improvements or buildings, it's the same thing in terms of the physical characteristics of the building. What's the size? What's the condition? What's the quality of construction? They all play a part in in, uh, in in how that is assessed and the total value of the property. What's really important to your listeners and, and you, Manda, to remember is that it's all about the market value that moves the assessment. BC Assessments, a crown corporation, that we're independent and we follow the market as it flows every year. Um, I'm taking notes in case. <laughs> so, um, so this year was remarkable, I think, for a lot of people, um, and uh, certainly on Cortez. Um, you might have the exact numbers, but I believe that uh, our um, values as a whole, as a community, went up more than forty percent. Um, was that normal? Um, where did you see uh, that to have such an increase um, and why? Why was there such an increase um, and where there were increases? Certainly. Um, in my 30 years, uh, Manda, working at BC Assessment, I, I can honestly say the 2022 assessment role, which was just released, is very, very distinct from, from any others that I've been a part of. Uh, the total assessment role for 2022 for the entire province increased 22%. So there's some communities that went up a lot, and there's some communities that didn't go up as much. There you go with that location, location, location aspect. Most past years, we would see assessments increase in total for the province anywhere between 5 and 10%. Um, but uh, the 2022 role saw assessment changes throughout the province. Uh, didn't matter where you would go, um, it seemed that uh, the values were, were, were going up much larger than they've had in previous years. When you look at the, the lower mainland, we're seeing assessments on the low end of things in terms of uh, 10 to 20% increases for the typical residential property. When you go to Vancouver Island, you see the larger communities of Victoria, Nanaimo, Parksville, and Courtney, they're going up 20 to 30%. Uh, 
um, the mid-range communities like Ladysmith, North Cowichan, Manoose, Coombs Arrington, they're in the 30 to 40 percent range. And then you get to those those really unique communities like Port Alberni and Hornby, Denman, Cortez, Quadra. Yeah, you, we, we, we saw increases in the assessments between the 40, 50, and 60 percent range all in one year. Um, the increase was all about the market. The increase was all about the interactions of supply and demand. Um, yeah, so with BC assessment appraisers throughout 2021, we, we saw the sales come in. We compared them to the assessments that we had on previous the previous year, and uh, we were we were ready to to make that change and follow the market. And do we, I mean, so like you say location, 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 um, as far as why some areas went up more than others, but was there, <coughs> was there thematic things that you saw that uh, the highest places had in common? Well, when you, when you go through that list of, uh, when you go through that list of communities on, on Vancouver Island, I think it's pretty clear uh, the larger urban centers they they don't get me wrong they they saw some some big increases themselves but when you got it when you go to those uh those communities that were on the lower end of of market value or assessed value relative to other communities like Port Alberni and Port Alice the Bellis you know they're already they, they started off with low assessments relative to Nanaimo Victoria and Parksville um they saw the big increases but really you, you take a look at the Gulf Islands and uh, other other uh, recreational areas or rural areas like uh, Sprout Lake, um, uh, we're in the Alberni Clayquit District. They they certainly saw the high end of these of the of the increases as well. So, um, can you talk to us a little bit about this uh, kind of second part of the assessment process, which has to do with its relationships to taxes paid? Um, and I like how you put it that this is sort of uh, a way to um, divvy up the pot, um, so mm-hmm. you understand what your kind of fair, uh, you know, market uh, aspect of that is. So, can you talk to us a little bit more? Explain a little bit more about the relationship between the assessment and taxes paid, and in particular, you know. Lots of people got their assessment, you know, on Cortez. We had some neighbors whose assessment went up almost 60%. And the first thing they thought was, now my tax bill is going up 60%. So tell us why that's not the case. Certainly. Um, I can understand that sticker shock. I can understand that sticker shock of, of opening up your assessment notice and seeing such a, such a, such a huge increase all in one year. I experienced it myself when when I looked up uh, the properties that that, that, that we have. Um, a really great illustration, I think, for everyone to take a look at is located on the back of of everyone's assessment notice, and it's uh, it's an illustration of how property taxes are calculated. Property taxes are a function of two things: the assessment, which is changes with the market. And the mill rate that is applied to your assessment that falls within a certain property classification. BC assessment obviously comes up with the assessment. That's 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 our part. That's our responsibility. 
it's the taxing jurisdiction that comes up with the uh, with the mill rate. Generally, as assessments increase, the mill rates that are applied to the class are reduced to offset a sudden big increase in assessment. As a result, the property taxes are going to stay hopefully relatively the same. It's up to what has been selected as the mill rate for for that property by the taxing jurisdiction. The thing to remember, though, of course, is, is that if your assessment changes with the average for your typical community, the taxes are hopefully going to be relatively the same from what they have were from last year. If your change, if your assessment change increases more than the typical in in the neighborhood in in the jurisdiction, you may receive a receive a tax increase. And if your assessment change is less than the average in that community, you're likely going to see a uh, you're likely going to see a, a a drop in your assessment or your your property taxation. I'm sorry. The important thing to remember is that, yes, there's that sticker shock, but that 40 or 50 or 60% increase in your assessment is very unlikely going to result in a 40, 50, 60% increase in your property taxation as long as that was a typical assessment increase for the community. So uh, let's talk about those variations. So um, I think my assessment went up um more closer to the low end for Cortez 40%. But then we mm-hmm. have uh I have friends who um live in a uh like not nearly as nice <laughs> of a of a of a place um, um and their assessment went up 60%. Um, and it was un- like nothing much had changed for them um, that year. They hadn't done a bunch of improvements, um, et cetera. So why that variation um, within one community? Yeah, yeah. Um, we got we got to first recognize that uh, the real estate market uh, is not stagnant. Uh, and the, the, the forces of, of supply and the demand are not the same for every type of property. Uh, when, when I focus in on the, the residential assessment, there's so many different types of properties out there uh, that, that fall into that residential classification. I, re- I remember a couple of years ago, to get away from the Gulf Islands a bit, but I remember a couple of years ago when, when single-family dwellings in the city of Vancouver went up 50%. Meanwhile, Strata condominiums that same year went up five to ten percent. The next year, it was completely reversed, and it's all because of the the, 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 the forces that are the economic forces that, that that are impacting that supply and demand. Uh, another another example I remember a few years in in Nanaimo, when the Nanaimo staff was seeing all of a sudden um, single-family dwelling ranchers that were in size between 1,200 and, and 2,200 square feet, they were increasing at a vast proportional rate than, than any other property type in the community. And it turned out after doing a little bit of investigation with the purchasers and the investigation with the developers of that property type and the realtors that were selling them, we became aware that that was the property type that, 
many people who were retiring from other parts of the country and coming to Vancouver Island, the big island, wanted. If it had stairs, they weren't interested. The next couple of years went by, and, and, and we, saw, we saw the developers reacting to that market demand, and they started building more of these properties. And, and as a result, there was the forces of supply and demand reoriented, and the, 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 the increase in those prices changed and went more in unison with other properties in, in the community. So it, if, if, you have a, if you have a property that's within a certain price range that attracts more people because it's less valued than, than other properties that less people are looking at, well, that can have an impact on, on the potential purchase price of that property. And as a result, we see different sectors themselves of the residential um, building stock within a certain neighborhood can change at different rates. The big one, of course, in, in, in most communities that are on the Gulf Islands, are the difference between residential upland and residential waterfront. They, they, they can move quite differently. With uh, depending on the the forces that are out there and the people who are looking to buy those types of properties, I I wonder if that's not part of the complexity of trying to come up with property assessments on uh, on islands and other like really remote communities. T- talk to us a little bit about um, you know places like Cortez uh, and how. Uh, the process of figuring out the assessment differs from how it might look in, you know, a place like Nanaimo or even just a smaller community in the mainland, but that it isn't so remote. Certainly, certainly. Um, When I look at uh, a a community like Nanaimo or even Courtney, um, there's one thing that, 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 that you see and, and that's, that's a single-family dwelling that's very similar to the single-family dwelling that's right next door to it. There's, there's a homogeneousness in the marketplace. Um, when you go to uh, the Gulf Islands, gosh, it seems that not only is every property different in terms of, of, a, of having different unique features to them, um, but every building itself is different. Uh, I, I remember watching. Uh, there's a uniqueness to the construction. There's a uniqueness to the to, to, to even the quality. Uh, my my father built our cabin. He uh, he has a PhD in engineering. Um, I don't think there's a square corner in the entire building, but that's the uniqueness, and we and we love that uh, that place to bit. Uh, someone else might not. Uh, might not love it as much. But my point here is that when, when you're looking at, at communities that are in homogeneous neighborhoods, it's easy to find comparables for. When you're looking at, uh, in a community that seems to have every property that's different, it, it, it can be harder to, to find the comparables for. Another, another uh, trick with, or tricky situation with Gulf Islands is, is the volume of sales sometimes, uh, and the, and the volume of certain types of sales sometimes. When when we live in an urban setting, we have lots of sales to take a look at. 
We have lots of sales to analyze. Um, that's not the that's that's not always the case in some of our remoter areas. Some of the physical characteristics that can uh, that can be difficult for an appraiser on a golf island can be issues around perkability. You know, can can this build can this piece of land support a building with a septic field? It seems that uh, when I first started 30 years ago, there was lots of properties that uh, that couldn't support a building. But as the years have gone by and the technology of septic disposal systems have changed and the cost of septic disposal systems have changed, it seems that there's less and less properties that, that are deemed that unbuildable characteristic. Um, and probably the one that, uh, that, that, that is also tricky in the Gulf Islands, more so in places like Quadra and Cortez, is whether or not a property has access. Does it have a roadway to it? Um, in those types of instances, an appraiser's likely not going to be pointing to a comparable that has a road access. They're going to limit their sales comparables to similar properties that you have to take a boat to. So, yes, the, the Gulf Islands offer some really unique challenges for, for a private fee appraiser or, or an assessor uh, that works at BC Assessment. Can you... Um Talk to us a little bit about the how the BC assessment relates to getting hiring a private appraiser. Can we take uh, a you know a forty percent um, assessed uh, increase um, from BC assessment to the bank as proof of increased value and in you know ask for a loan against that new perceived higher value? Mm-hmm. That's a uh... That's a real real life question that, that that a lot of people ask me, and I'm very fortunate in that. Well, not so fortunate in that I've had a number of mortgages, <laughs> but uh, also my oldest daughter is a mortgage broker, so I, I, I've asked her the same question. I think the the answer here lies in the policies and procedures that that lending institution has themselves. Uh, some lending institutions want that appraisal in their pocket. They want to look beyond just the assessment. Other lending institutions are, are, are more willing to take a look at the property assessment as an indicator of value, but they do so on a number of con- considerations. If, uh, if, if you're if you're taking a look at getting a mortgage for a property in a homogeneous community, then they might have more confidence in it. If uh, if if they're looking at uh, at providing you with mortgage funds, and it's in let's say today, in 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 the early Q1 of the year, and the assessment notice just went out. They may be well. This, this, I, I don't have enough experience over the last year since the assessment notice came out to understand what where the market is going. Has it gone up since the assessment came out, or has it gone down since the assessment came out? So, depending on how much confidence they have in the marketplace and where it went since that July first, they may or may not be willing to to hang their full hat on the current assessment. 
it's it's like so many things where if you live in a remote community then you're you're <laughs> you're probably a little out of luck <laughs> sometimes I, I, another another thing to consider as well is is whether this is new financing or whether it's refinancing um it, it, if if you've already been paying your mortgage for five years and this is a renewal i think they'll be they'll be more willing to just check in on that assessment rather than than require you to get a private fee appraisal. Well, one thing to really, really uh, keep in mind, Amanda, here, is that when you get your assessment notice on January 2nd, that assessment, that BC assessment provided you, is already six months in the past. Because it's July 1st of the previous year. When you pay your taxes the following July, July 1st of 2022, the taxes that you pay on that assessment is a year since it was set on, uh, as of July 1st of 2021. And if, if you're looking for a mortgage in November of 2022, that current assessment, the 2022 assessment, is getting close to 18 months out of date. So if, if a lending agency says, yeah, July since July 1st, 2021, we know the market's gone up 20, 30, 40%, they're going to have a lot of confidence in, in using that assessment, which was set at a marketplace um, that was at a lower rate. Yeah, that's a really uh, good reminder. And I, so when, so we talked a little bit about variations in one community. Um, if you, if someone got an assessment and they felt like it was just really out of, um, you know, like really high and maybe disproportionately high compared to the rest of their community, um, what makes a what makes a, a, a likely scenario by which someone can contest their assessment, and how do they do that? Certainly. Um, the best thing to do right off the bat when you get your assessment and, and, and you get over that sticker shock is to, uh, is, is to do your homework yourself before you even start phoning, phoning the assessment office. If you go to the BC Assessments website, we have an assessment search function that allows you to plug in your address or plug in your folio number and you, you get to see your, your assessment, just like the one that appeared on your assessment notice, but you also get to see a lot more background information and inventory that BC Assessment has. We have the size of your property. We have the size of the building, the number of bedrooms and bathrooms, um, whether or not you have basement finish. You'll probably see a, a picture of your property and, and where it fits within a GIS mapping system. It's, it's very, 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 very slick. Um, what you can also do is you can take a look at your neighbor's assessment. You can do it by either plugging in their address or you can do by clicking on a map. And you can get the very same information that, uh, that you can get on your own property. But a third function that, that, that you can get off of assessment search is you can actually take a look at some of the sales that have occurred in your neighborhood or your community that uh, might have been used as benchmarks for the appraiser to come up with your new assessment. So 
unlike in the past when when I first started out, uh, when the internet I don't think even existed back then, or or did so at a very small small fraction of what it is today, the the information that is available for a property um, owner to take a look at is, is very extensive. After doing that homework, you can of course phone the assessment office and uh, and talk to an appraiser, talk to one of our admin, and get some information from them. If uh, if after that you, you 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 still have some doubts, what you can do is you can appeal your assessment. And in BC, we have a two form two two steps to an appeal. The first is to appeal to the property assessment review panel. Property Assessment Review Panel, you have to have your appeal in by January 31st. Um, you, you send in your appeal. You can do it online. You can mail it in. You can fax it in. And uh, what you do is you present your case to, to uh, an adjudicating panel of three people. You tell them why you think your assessment's too high. The assessor may have a questions for you. But they'll also present their side of things and say, well, we think the assessment's good because of these reasons or these sales that have occurred in the community. And the adjudicating panel, they make a decision right there. It's an oral decision, and you will get a copy of the decision in the mail, which simply says, yes, the assessment was confirmed or the assessment was amended to such and such a, a value. That, the Property Assessment Review, Review Panel, or PARP, they sit between the months of February and, and, and mid-March. We just finished off the 2022 PARP session. And what I can tell you from the statistics that I've seen, even after seeing these, these huge increases of, of, uh, uh, through, throughout, throughout the province and an overall increase of 22% to the 2022 roll, is our 1.4% of all the property owners in the province of British Columbia appealed their assessment to this year's property assessment review panel. So quite a small number considering the, uh, the large increases. And that's right in line to what's normal. Usually lines in between 1% and 1.6% and over the past decade. If you do not like or you disagree with the property assessment review panel's decision, you then have the opportunity to appeal to the second level, which is the property assessment appeal board. You have to have your, your, your letter in of appeal by April 30th. And uh, the Property Assessment Appeal Board is, is an organization that, is, that, that works throughout the year in adjudicating cases. Um, they have assessment uh, consultation, telephone conversations. They have settlement conferences. And when necessary, they have assessment hearings where you will actually get a written decision of why the Assessment Appeal Board believes that the assessment is correct or should be amended. After that, if you wish to take an assessment appeal to the BC Supreme Court, a, a court of higher jurisdiction, or after that, the Court of Appeal, or even the BC or the Supreme Court of Canada, you can. But it can only be done on a point of law rather than fact. So it becomes a little bit more difficult to appeal beyond the Property Assessment Appeal Board. It really f sounds very functional. I mean, people may not like what they've gotten from it, but it feels like a pretty clear-cut, functional form of, of government um, when you lay it out, which I, I, I do feel like is you know worthy of some applause. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, 
there's all these things I want to ask you that I feel like are more abstract questions and yeah. you know, like, you know, f- f- like I, you know, you talk about the, f- the market forces and it feels like both in a small sense and in a large sense, what we're seeing and the 2022 assessments kind of just told a story of is what happens all of a sudden when the world becomes so small and a lot of people uh, realize that they can continue um, earning money and and ex- living but without living where their work was um, and so these you know rural remote communities which have much smaller economies and often people who have kind of lived with inside them for a very long time have when when you know these tiny little economies are squished up against a much larger economies of and are you still there oh yeah can you hear me oh, yeah uh, you just faded out there for a second oh, Go so- on. sorry about that uh basically i was just waxing poetical about when small economies you know are opened up to much larger economies and oh, very much so yeah yeah like that's 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 the question that a lot of people ask is is why did, did market value go up so much not just the assessments the assessments follow market value but well why did market value go up so much and um you know the, the, probably the people that ask the people who who speak the most to to the purchasers and and that would be the real estate agents and I've done that, and they've told me stories exactly the one that you just laid out, is that people realized, or or the pandemic taught us, that we can participate in big city employment, but, but from small town BC. Um, while in the past, you might have had to go to your office in Victoria five, five days a week, um, you wouldn't think of moving to... Cobble Hill or Lake Couch. For heaven's sakes, it's an hour, two-hour drive. But if, but if your employer now suddenly tells you that, well, you only have to come in once a week, or you only have to come in a couple times a week, or or you're you're running a law firm and and you don't really need to go to Vancouver anymore um, in order to service your clients, people are willing to move beyond the urban area. And people are willing to uh, participate in, in employment in other locations. I really, uh, do we have time for a quick five-minute story? Absolutely. Fantastic. So uh, I was on Hornby Island in, in August of 2021. And, of course, one of the things my family and I enjoy is mountain biking on Mount Jeffrey. And I was mountain biking with my oldest daughter, and uh, what you do after mountain biking, of course, is you go to the co-op and you have an ice cream. And uh, we were enjoying our ice cream. And, you know, when you get an appraiser and a, and a mortgage broker together, you're usually drawn to the real estate offer. And uh, we looked at, at all the listings that were on, on, on the wall there. And the vast majority of them were sold. And they showed last year's assessment, July 1st, 2020, they showed the listing price. The listing price was always well above last year's assessment. And they sold, showed the selling price. And that was even higher than the listing price in most instances. My daughter says to me, boy, Dad, you're, you're going to have to really make changes to, to the assessment rule this year. And as soon as she said it, 
the realtor came out of her office and said, do you work at BC Assessment? Oh said, I certainly do. <laughs> I certainly do. And can we have a conversation? So I sat down and we talked a bit about assessments. We talked a bit about market value. And so some of the things that she told me was, uh, you know, there's, there's likely 1,200 people who are permanent residents on Hornby Island. And in the summertime, that probably quadruples whatever timesing by five is described at as well. I don't know what the, 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 the equivalent of quadruple is. But uh, she says, Bill, I have six active listings right now. Six active listings that all the people who have come to Hornby Island this summer are looking at. I would normally, in a typical year, have 25 to 35 listings for someone to take a look at. And in 2009, when we experienced the financial meltdown, she probably had about 60 listings for people to like take a look at. So you can see that when when everyone else has, has come into what you've already found as, as paradise, and supply is down but demand is high, that has a that has a big impact on on the eventual purchase prices of properties and what people are are willing to sell them for as well. You know, just as a, a quick uh, uh, further comment about that, I, I telephoned the same realtor in January of this year after the assessments came out, and, and I was hearing a lot of a lot of comments in, on Facebook and the newspaper about big increases. And I asked her the same question. I said, "How many listings do you have right now?" And she says, zero. I'd usually have about ten. So that 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 supply and demand equation is still kind of working itself out. So we'll see where, where, where things go in the future. That is almost exactly what we are experiencing on Cortez, except for with probably even smaller numbers because we are an even smaller community. And, and you know, I know this is really far off from from your job, but I'm wondering, um, you know, when, you know, we're experiencing a housing crisis and you uh, you know, you you see the numbers, the the story told in numbers all the time, and you know I think the struggle with remote communities is because uh, it's hard sometimes to uh, to um, demonstrate how difficult it is to have a lack of rental and the lack of um, of homes available for ownership um, and when you know when you're comparing it to people coming from big urban centers right where they the numbers are still much higher and they're still struggling with all some of the same things but they're still going to be someone who teaches at the local school because the teacher is going to be able to drive there from some community um, which is just not the case on an island or in these other really remote uh, mainland communities. So I'm wondering, like, you know, this is really far off, but are you seeing, you work with uh, Indigenous Affairs, I know some of the First Nations groups have really taken very different approaches to um, housing, to how they value and hold land. Um, are you seeing you know, different ways or tools um, out there that that might give us some hope that um, that these kind of special remote communities aren't just going to die off from a lack of being able to keep the people who, you know, want to live and build lives there, there. I know that um, 
from a from a couple of examples that that I've seen recently on uh, Indigenous communities that use BC assessment for their for their creation of their assessment role is that BC Housing has gotten involved in a, in many of those communities to ensure that there's an opportunity to finance the construction of multi-family dwellings on 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 their within their communities. So that's always always something to take into consideration. Um, the uh, it, it really comes down to tax policy and and planning by the local community on what can be offered for construction within a certain community and what can uh, what kind of tax benefits can can result from it you know again just like bc assessment follows the market and reports the market whatever we see occurring with zoning changes or amendments to OCPs, official community plans, we reflect on the assessments. And if uh, if if a property is is rezoned to provide high density or multifamily, um, then we will we will assess it accordingly. Similarly, if if a if a regional district or a municipality gives a permissive exemption for nonprofit housing, then we will record that on the assessment roll. We we really don't lead the charge in in any of that, but we support other aspects of government and other aspects of tax policy by creating the role accordingly. Uh, this is sort of back to the variations that you see in small communities. But when you, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of people get away with in uh, remote communities um, that, you know, maybe benefit us all, uh, but that are certainly not, um, you know, really good practice from a zoning perspective. For example, you might have something that's zoned just for one primary house um, and a secondary unit that, has you know three secondary units on it oh my gosh yeah. uh, um so how what how does that end up um being reflected in assessments um it's like can it be if it's kind of not allowed do you just end up looking the other way what what how, does this have anything to do with it? assessments well t- t- I, I think one of the best examples that, that that you might have is two properties exactly alike in every every way both of them have a basement suite. One of them is located in a neighborhood that uh, allows basement suite. The other one is located in a neighborhood that doesn't allow basement suites. Again, what BC assessment will do is we will follow the market and, and, and how the market reflects those aspects, reflects the risk. For the, for the neighborhood that allows building suites, it's great. Typically what we can do is we can take a look at the sales that have occurred within that, that neighborhood and realize how the market is reacting to a legitimate basement suite. You know, they, 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 they probably pay quite a bit for it. For the neighborhood that has a basement suite, but uh, it's, it's non-conforming, it's, the market will tell us. The market will tell us where to put that assessment. The market will tell us by when we analyze the sales that are located within that neighborhood with that non-conforming basement suite, 
how much of a discount should be applied to that characteristic in a non-conforming uh, situation. So we, we again, take a look at, 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 at how the market would dictate where that, that unencumbered fee simple value would be. And then when you talk about the market, I mean, you're basically looking at hundreds, if not thousands of data units. Um, Correct. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's only a few of us who like to sit around and talk about data, but um, yeah. But you know, this is sort of data made real for people, which is probably why so many people just have a panic attack when they open their assessment. Yeah. Um, how much do you get uh, involved then through BC Assessment with um, with the uh, exemption aspect of it? So. Um, say you're a person and you don't need to appeal your assessment, but it is going to put you in a um, horrible place when tax time comes. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's your uh, role there, if any, uh, and can you point us in a hopeful direction? Certainly. Um, when, uh, now again, the, the, the BC assessment, we're, we're just responsible for, for the assessment part of that calculation, assessment times mill rate equals property taxes. Um, but that's not to say we're not willing and, and have educated individuals who know a few things about taxation. Uh, if, if, if I have a, a property owner coming to me and, and, and telling me about, about how concerned they are, with uh, with the increase in assessment and the increase in, in property taxation, I'd be more than willing to give them some information pertaining to such things as property tax deferment program that uh, that, that that the province offers, the uh, information about the school tax um, homeowners grant that, uh, that 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 the province offers. Um, there's also uh, there's also aspects of the assessment act. That allow us to to assess a property based on its current use. If, if if it's been a principal residence for more than ten years and it's more than five acres in size, uh, we we can inform them to apply for the for an, uh, an amendment to their assessment in that type of situation. But really, when it when it comes down to tax relief, the appropriate people to talk to uh, is when the property tax notice comes. And that would either be the municipality that you work in or that you live in or the, uh, or the surveyor of taxes, which is in the subsidiary of the Ministry of Finance. And one more time, will you give people the, your website address? So if you want to go and look up your own assessment or you want to peruse your neighbors um, and see how they're faring, um, where do people go? Well, it's very easy. www.bcassessment.ca. You will uh, you will get the the main page, and right there it says "Find Your Property Assessment," and you just plug in your address, and you're away. Uh, well, it's I've I learned new things today, so I hope other people did too. It's been really wonderful to have you on. Um, I've loved hearing your stories and um, and getting a chance to talk about data, and I hope we will have you visit us sometime on Cortez. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. Uh, any last words of advice or wisdom that you want to leave us with today? 
Um, well, we we're, we're, we at BC Assessment are, are very proud of the work that we do for for our municipalities, our province, our regional districts, and the 98 Indigenous communities that we create assessment rules for, which is a whole different story that we should perhaps one day talk about. Um, I, I'm very proud of the of the customer service that uh, that my colleagues within the company provide the public when they when they phone up, and um, I just uh, thank you for the opportunity, Amanda, to to, to share the, our story. Well, it's it's my pleasure, and yeah, I would love to talk a little bit more um, in the future about uh, the unique role you play with some of the First Nations and. Um, and just also to, you know, understand more about the role of, of, of data and how it, <laughs> how it influences our lives. So it's been lovely to have you. I much appreciate it. And I hope we will have more time together in the future. Wonderful. Thank Bye. you very much. Bye. Have Bill. a great day. Thank you. You too. And thank you for listening. We have, uh, we're going to have a little bit of music and then um, a little bit more on this topic that will be, uh, it's a pre-recorded piece by Roy Hales looking at the regional district uh, and some of their responses around how our assessment relates to the taxes we pay on Cortez. So uh, we got the first part of the story, but to understand a little bit more about the second part and where our taxes go, you should stay tuned here to Folk U Radio on CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio. Let's get a little bit of tax-related music uh, on here, which of course means one thing, um, Taxman by the Beatles. Two, three, four, <laughs> one, two. Let me tell you how it will be. There's one for you, 19 for me. Cause I'm the tax man.
You are listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ, Cortez Community Radio 89.5 FM, or on the web at cortezradio.ca. We are talking about all things BC assessment and your local taxes on Cortez Radio's Folk U Radio today. Uh, we have just heard from BC Assessment from Bill Dawson talking about what your assessment actually means, how it's calculated, what you can do if you do not like what it, they came up with this year, and how it both does and does not uh, equate exactly to what you'll pay this year uh, for your taxes. So um, now we're going to hear a little clip that uh, Roy Hales did for Cortez Currents, looking more specifically at Cortez Island's tax dollars, um, the relationship with the assessment, and where your money is going to go this year. So that was such a good piece that uh, I couldn't resist uh, including it today. So we will have that, and then um, we'll talk to you next week. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. The budget for 2022 was one of the main items of discussion at the Strathcona Regional District's Wednesday, February 9th board meeting. This process also gives us a peek into how the money was spent in 2021. So, in the first of a five-part series arising from that SRD meeting, Cortez Currents is looking into how the SRD is spending our money. Many Cortez Island residents have probably noticed that they're paying about the same amount for property taxes in 2021 as they did in 2020. This will change in 2022, but only by about $47 for the average home. Cortez Island Regional Director Nova Anderson explained this is because the tax rate is going up, the actual requisition per thousand is going down. SRD Chief Financial Officer Mike Harmston said Electoral Area B had one of the highest assessment increases for any of our areas, so they're going to be the most affected by this shift. Area B is primarily residential, so there's uh, not a big impact. We're looking at a total requisition increase of about uh, (laughs) $33,000. He was talking about property values. A homeowner whose assessment was $1,005 for 2020 saw that increase a dollar to $1,006 in 2021 and will probably find themselves looking at a $1,053 bill in 2022. That's an increase of $47 over the course of a year, which doesn't take into account the deductions for people who are retired or living in their homes. Anderson said the SRD is not the only governing body to levy property taxes. She listed a number of community services that receive their funding elsewhere. The school tax is a really big piece of it. And then there's also a provincial rural tax, a police tax, hospital district, and solid waste, and BC assessment, and finance authority. So there's lots of other authorities that levy property taxes. And the SRD, I would say, is just a little over half of the overall property tax bill. The average property assessment increase for Cortez was 40% this year. 
that does not translate into 40% increase in taxes. Because as the property assessment rises, your mill rate drops to keep your taxation actually quite stable. So the average tax requisition per home on Cortez in that same period of time went from $1,006 to $1,053. So it's a relatively nominal increase compared to the 40% increase in assessment. I think the overall SRD budget increases about 4%, which is basically inflation. The other two driving factors, one is, is very nominal, but the province sets the tax rate for the tax classes. So business and industrial and residential will all have a different amount they pay per $100,000 of assessed value. And the province has changed those rates recently in favor of forestry class properties. So in areas that have a big private managed forest land base, the burden of taxation has shifted from forest lands to residential lands. That has affected us very, very nominally here because we don't have very much. But the third that has affected us this year is that overall, the regional district property value has increased by 30%. On Cortez, it's 40%. The shared services that Campbell River pays just as much as Cortez, as much as Sayward, et cetera, we will be paying a slightly larger proportion of those. The vast majority of our services that we pay are Cortez exclusive, parks, fire, community halls, emergency services, all those things. Anything that is in the SRD budget that you were looking at are SRD taxes. I would say sort of with the anomaly of the Vancouver Regional Library, I mean, it is our tax, but we have no control over the budget. It's a separate board, but that tax line does come through our budget. Similar with 911. We don't control the budget, but we incorporate it in our budgeting process. As might be expected, in a rural community like Cortez Island, the three big ticket items are government services, the fire department, and parks. Most of the government items fall into one of three categories, corporate, regional, and electoral services. Here are some of the biggest expenditures. Administration and government, about $33,000. Electoral area administration, about $81,000. Planning, $69,000. Vancouver Regional Library, $66,000. Some other items of interest, a little over $16,000 for the 911 Emergency Answering Service. $11,000 for the Strathcona Emergency Programs, and a little more than $10,000 to regional broadband. The SRD is providing 10% of the funding for the high-speed internet coming to Cortez Island. The total for all corporate, regional, and electoral area services is $292,239, which is slightly over a third of our taxes. Cortez Island is known as Area B within the SRD, and in the section labeled Area B Expenses, Harmsworth added an estimate of the cost per household. Thus we know that Cortez Islanders paid out $234,275, or about $254 per household, for the fire department. There are 15 parks spreading over 1,868 acres of Cortez Island. They cost $178,000, 
which works out to about $191 per household. The two most politically controversial items over the past two years have been funding for the island's two community halls and grants and aid. The budget for funding the halls was set as, quote, up to $80,000, unquote, but the requisition for 2021 was actually $10,000 less than that, and the surplus was transferred to reserves. The average homeowner paid a little over $75 towards Manson's and Gorge Halls. A little more than $25,000 is allocated to grants and aid. A little more than $25,000 is allocated to grants and aid. As Cortez Island does not have the built-up infrastructure of more settled areas, non-profit organizations provide many of the services. While they often have some paid staff, the backbone and often much of the workforce is provided by volunteers. In 2021, the SRD gave grants and aid to seven community organizations. The Cortez Community Economic Development Association, or CEDA, Climate Hope, the Cortez Island Museum, the Cortez Island Community Health Association, the Cortez Community Housing Society, Cortez Community Radio, the Clahous First Nation, and Cortez Literacy, Folk U Program. $27 from the average Cortez Island assessment went towards these programs. Some other Area B expenses of interest, $58,000 for refuse disposal, and $21,244 for the First Responder Program, which is now in its second year. When he brought this budget to the SRD board, Chief Operating Officer David Leach said, I think in uh, my seven years here, this is our, our most impressive budget over real challenging times amongst COVID and all the challenges that we've had throughout it. Director Anderson added, I really appreciate there being budget detail this year. Last year, for the first time, I couldn't support the budget because I didn't have that. So I really appreciate that back. And Mike, I appreciate your reserve summaries in every service. One of the specific items she mentioned. There's a little graphic that's incredibly useful that I would love to see at an aggregate level. So in every in every function, you've got a tax requisition and a rate per 100,000, Mike, that shows over the course of the last five years, perhaps a, a budget in a service might increase ever so slightly. But because the tax rate is going up, the actual requisition per thousand is going down. That's just a super useful graph. You've been listening to a report on where Cortez Island's tax dollars go, taken from the budget talks at the February 9th SRD board meeting. Full disclosure, I'm a former president of one of the non-profit organizations mentioned in this report, the Cortez Community Radio Society. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye. That was a little clip that I replayed as part of today's Folk U Radio, where we were looking at the BC assessment. I thought that was an awesome little piece uh, by Roy uh, that I we couldn't talk about BC assessments and this year's current assessments on Cortez, which is uh, which was on the high end for the entire. Um, province. <clears throat> so today on our on the talk, we learned from Bill Dawson from BC Assessment that the average uh, in 
um, increase in BC was 22% um, overall. And on Cortez, it was more than 40%. We just learned from that clip. Uh, and then there were individuals um, within that, even on Cortez, that were almost up to 60%. So um, a lot of of market change happening on Cortez. And so really interesting to see how this relates to the tax rate, which it looks like for the average person will be less than $50 more um, this year. And if your rate, if your assessment was less than 40%, your tax uh, will be significantly less than that, maybe would even go down, um, if I understand that correctly. So Really lots of interesting things we learned today. Um, and you can go as a reminder and find out more about your assessment and how your um, home compared to other places on Cortez or even in the region by going to the BC assessment website. And you can use your just your address even to check yourself in your neighborhood. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another Folk You radio episode here on CKTZ 89.5 FM. Much appreciated that you have joined us and spent another Friday with us, neighbor. Bye. Think. That's it for another edition of Folk You Radio. If you'd like to learn more about Folk You or subscribe to our podcast series, visit us at folkyou.ca. That's F-O-L-K-U dot C-A. Folk U is produced at CKTZ 89.5 FM Cortez Radio dot C-A. My little brain's almost always got something lame it's got to say. It's embarrassing all the stupid things I can't